one half of the Booze and Moves podcast, and this is my other half. Hi, I'm Katrina. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you love it. Hi, guys. We are back with part two of the Black Phone. We kind of just rambled and had a lot to say (laughs) about the Black Phone in general. Um, So we just kind of had to split it up into two to make it make sense and make it a little bit easier so you didn't have a a two-hour podcast in just one go. So we are back. We are so excited. So we're going to just pick up where we left off uh, from part one. So if you haven't listened to part one, go listen to part one. Um, Let us know how you feel about two-parters. Do you prefer them? Do you just want one long one? Um, but look- yeah, this one, I mean, because we record everything all at once. Like when we're talking about a movie, we don't like take a break. So you let us know. Does, does the flow work for you guys? And, and are we good to go? Yeah. So we hope you enjoy it and we hope you stick it out to the end. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. So uh, welcome back to uh, The Black Phone. So after we see um, Max clean up his Coke, we get like a <laughs> shot of him sitting on the couch, just chilling. And the camera pans down, kind of like goes through the floor and then is in the basement. And we see Finn. And when I first saw this, I was like, was that a transition or was that a hint? Because I really wasn't sure at first. Um, but Finn is pretending to sleep. And the grabber is in the basement and he just says, I know you're not sleeping. And he's hiding in a shadow and we hear a dog barking in the background. Bum, bum, bum. Sounds very similar. And the grabber tells Finney that he was thinking about letting him go. Asks for his name, tells him that usually he figures out the boys' names from the newspapers and they print out a nice big photo. And then Finney tells him his name is Taylor. And he lies about his name. So the grabber steps into the light. And it's a frowny mask. He says, I almost let you go. And he calls him Finney. And like slams the door. And I was like, I can't tell if he's lying. That's I really can't tell thing. if the grabber is I lying. Mean- because he just, he slams down, like, the tray of food. He's got, like, the newspaper hidden under his arm. And, like, the way he says it, he's like, nice try, Finny. Mm-hmm. And he knows that. And, and I think that it's an interesting thing because he's saying that he doesn't know who these boys are until, like, basically, like, they're dead. Right. And then he sees about them. So, you know, when the grabber says everything's different, I mean, everything is different. He either, and we don't know exactly how long he's had him, but we know that, you know, somebody's in his house that kind of messed up his whole routine. Finney's not playing naughty boy and going upstairs and getting beaten and or killed. We don't, you know, know exactly. And then he's seeing the names in the paper. So really everything is different, but yeah, like exactly. He's like, huh, I almost let you go. I I kind of like I want to believe him that like I really did maybe I really wanted to believe him my friend was like absolutely not he was not gonna let him go and I'm like maybe I'm in love with him but like I I think think he wanna let him go like but I don't know because he's so up and down I don't know would he have I feel like he would have like I but was he also doing it just to mess with Finney like just We don't know. And then there's the whole thing of like, if he's not finding out until after the fact about these boys is seeing Finney in the paper prior to him dying, humanizing Finney. Mm -hmm. I don't, I have no idea. It's the grabber is just one big black hole of not like, I know nothing. Like we know some things, but I feel like I know nothing and it's frustrating. I'm going to hold my thoughts. I'm going to hold my thoughts. Okay. Um, We're going to, we'll leave it there. So we cut to, we've got another phone call and Finney answers it. And the voice just says, you don't have much time. We know that the grabber is upstairs and he's wearing an open jacket. So he's shirtless, but he's got like, not a North face jacket, but like that kind of that style on. And he is just 
fucking waiting for Finny to come upstairs so he can play Naughty Boy. And he ends up falling asleep while he's waiting. The voice on the phone is saying that the grabber, he's not sleeping well. He's off of his game. He's out of his routine. He's worried that his brother's going to figure it out. So I think that we've kind of, you know, cemented the fact that Max is the grabber's brother. Max is working on this case. And maybe Max is close to figuring out what's going on. So I, I think it's really bold of the grabber to still be doing all this stuff and to even leave the option open for Finney to come upstairs. Right. It's because wild. Like, while, and I always thought, okay, so we're going to, we're about to get to the padlock thing. And I'm like, does his brother not find it weird that there's a padlock on like the front door? That's something I, that I thought about too. But I mean, the grabber must be staying up late and getting up early. That's my only logical answer because which is, we saw the door before and it didn't have the padlock on it during the day. Oh, that's true. So maybe it was, you know, just when his brother is sleeping or something, which I'm like, your brother better be a hard sleeper. Because if you're going to play naughty boy and be beating a child in the kitchen, that child is going to scream and cry. Yeah, I have no idea. But, also, uh, question. Yeah. Is, okay, so in this scene on the phone, like, there's a floating boy who's, like, upside down with his, like, throat slit. Is that Griffin? Yeah. Okay. That's the boy I, on the phone. Ugh, that was just creepy. Yeah, that anyway. was a big jump scare. So, oh, oh, actually, this is a really good thing. So, Finny kind of hears something. Yeah. And then he's using his rocket pen, which also is a flashlight. And he's which just happened? Kinda, I don't know. I don't care. This movie okay. has no faults. I don't care. Rocket <laughs> pen, flashlight. I don't care. And then he's just kind of moving his flashlight around. And th- when I was rewatching this, you know, for like the millionth time, there actually are a few jump scares in it, but this is the only one that really settled with me. And we just see a boy hanging upside down with like blood dripping all over him. And then he just points toward the phone and then Finney picks it up because it has it rung. It's so great. I think every, every scene where Finney is having a conversation with someone is done differently. It's exciting. I'm engaged. I, I want to know everything that's going on. And Griffin says, you don't have much time and it boils down to that he uh used his he wrote down his bike code like the bike lock code in the wall but he doesn't remember the exact order so these like five or six numbers that are together I guess it's gotta be five of them then he's like well what order is it and he's like I don't know you don't have much time but Finney (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, but it's so tense. Finney ends up going upstairs. He sees the grabber is sitting in the kitchen and he's asleep. So Finney's just kind of poking around. He gets to the front door and then after a couple tries, he gets the right lock combo out. And then as soon as the lock clicks, the dog starts going nuts, barking, which wakes up the grabber. Finney, he gets out, like he's outside, he's running, he's screaming for the grabber. Um, and the grabber goes and gets his van. I will say, like, my one little critique about this, and and I can only say this as somebody who has watched a, a bunch of horror movies, so I know what to do in a horror movie situation. This is a kid in the 70s who's scared out of his mind. You know, he's running in one direction. The van is, like, on the road beside him, and then, like, kind of cuts him off so he can't go further. And then the grabber grabs him again. But my logical brain is like okay like the van is coming like on the side in front of me I'm gonna try and double back I mean yeah or get into a bush like go across a bush like not like or go to the very next door neighbor and just pound on the door as hard as you can get in light get it yeah yeah because we see like you know there's been commotion made so a couple of the neighbor's lights go on and the grabber has Finney on the ground. And he's like, if you make any kind of noise, I will gut you right here. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying. 
And then they're just kind of waiting for those lights to go off. And it's so sad. And, and I don't know, you know, would he, would he have stabbed him right then and there if he did make noise? Would, or would he not have? Because then that would have called the neighbors out and then his need would have been to just escape. There's so many options. I don't know. But Finney doesn't make any noise. I will say in Finney's defense, since he is like 12, he probably isn't aware that how hard it is to like turn a car around, especially a big ass van. So it makes sense that it didn't come to his mind to like try and double back. Yeah. It's just, it's just fear and it's adrenaline. And in my head, I'm like those lights of the neighbors was just Finney's hope. Just boop, getting shut. They're gone. Yep. So uh, the grabber says, night, night, naughty boy, and then like knocks him out. Yeah. And then it's kind of like a little dreamy thing. Finn gets tossed back on the bed and it's just like a really static camera shot. And the grabber is walking back towards the upstairs. Samson's still barking and Max wakes up and you just hear the voices and it's like, what's going on? Sam's like, why is he barking? And then the grabber's just like, oh, Samson's just barking at something. It's no big deal. Go to bed, Max. And mm-hmm. he just slams the door. It's oh, it's so sad. Yeah. He was so close. And when, when uh, so Yuri watched this uh, with me the first time. And she's like, when he went upstairs and was in the kitchen, Yuri was like, I would have sliced his neck right there. Just got it done and over with. And then, but I was like, yeah, but as a kid, it's still terrifying. I know. And that's also the thing. It's like, you know, he's spending so much time on that combination lock. And like, obviously, you know, that's where the movie is wanting us to go. But I'm like, could he have tried any windows? Right. Or Max's fucking bedroom. He wouldn't know where Max's bedroom door was. But yeah, he didn't even actually know somebody was there for sure. Even hiding somewhere in the house, waiting for the grabber to like someone to leave and get I, I don't know there there were a lot more options but I get that he he was told the combination he was told to run and escape and he did what he was told which right. a lot of this is Finney doing what he's told and it also goes back to Finney doesn't like violence so that explains why he wouldn't just slit the grabber's throat yeah it's so you know for us to critique it and and I see a ton of stuff like this. It's like, well, in the mind of the character, this is what's going on. But it's so sad on our side when we're like, this will help you. This will help you. This will help yeah. you. And then it just, we can't do anything. Yeah. It's and it's one of the other things. Because I was like, when we get further into like the hints and everything, it's just like, Finney does a lot of stuff that is shocking. And I'm surprised he can do but after the grabber grabs him again and all of that, Gwen wakes up and she had a dreamless night. So she wakes up and she's just cussing at Jesus and like, what the fuck, Jesus? And she's yeah, like, are you even real? Laughing. Yeah, because it's one of those things where it's like, she's got a mouth on her. She doesn't care who you are. She's going to tell you like how it is. So she starts questioning the existence of Jesus and everything. And she's like, it goes back to Finney um, and the phone is ringing and he's just like, fuck you. But he still answers it because he's just frustrated at this point, you know, which is understandable. Yeah. And that's a really good comparison. Like they're both like Finn and Gwenny. They're like, what the fuck? What are we supposed to do? Yeah. And so he answers it and it's like this angry ass kid on the phone and he's like today's the day motherfucker and yeah because so- because who he's talking to they're like back to back on the bed so mm-hmm. the kid who we learn is vance hopper who was the bully that used to bully finney and that we learned about in the beginning you know he's kind of like not making sets he's not being super conversational yeah like it doesn't seem like it's all fitting what Finney is saying to him but then Finney figures out it's Vance probably just because of you know the mannerisms that he's using yeah 
Okay. We go to what looks like one of Gwen's dreams, and it's a flashback to Vance playing a pinball game, and like I think it's like a gas station or a store, and somebody bumps it, and he loses, and he just beats the hell out of him. He gets arrested, and then we see Gwen get into the cop car with Vance. And I think this is the first time we've seen Gwen actually in one of the dreams participating. Yeah, I think that this is, you know, like I mentioned before, every instance with every kid is so different. But this one kind of goes from like a distinct memory because Finney was in that, you know, bodega, convenience store, wherever, saw the fight happen between Vance and the other kid. And then when kind of walks onto the scene and then it goes into that like film surrealist dreamscape mm-hmm. image. And and it's really, really interesting because, you know, she's got an active connection in it now. Yeah. And when they're in the cop car, Gwen actually hears Finney and. Yeah. He's she, like coming to like, the police radio. Yeah. And it's Van- like Finney trying to talk to Vance, but then Vance is talking to Gwen when he says right here and he's pointing the first time it doesn't make sense because he's on the bed and he's just pointing at a wall. But what we learn is that he's in the car with Gwen pointing at the house, getting out and just showing Gwen it's this house. This is the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gwen wakes up. I think she was like in the, bathtub or something was this I think it is that one yeah Yeah. I think you're right and she wakes up and her dad is basically telling her like get ready for school but Vance continues the conversation with Finney and is trying to tell him where he can dig in the wall so that he can get out through the deep freezer that's in a storage room Uh uh-huh and this is the part where I think this seems a little far-fetched for me. I've broken concrete before. It's like he's using the toilet lid to break the concrete wall and he's putting in all kinds of work. He finally I gets it was through. Rock. It looks like concrete to me. No, it's concrete. I mean, sure. I guess I thought it was sheetrock because, I mean, he's putting in effort, but like he still gets through it. Like, and the toilet lid is like mostly intact i know i thought it was sheetrock and that's why i was confused because i'm like if it's concrete that's gonna break eventually also when he's done it's a perfect square like if i'm trying to escape i'm making a hole big enough for my body and that's it it this is the part where like i was like confused well i I thought it was a concrete deep freeze so when he finds like the hole for it he's making like the door so he can pull out the door to (sighs) get into it that makes sense because he does have to unscrew it. But if it is concrete, I don't know how he did that with a toilet lid because it looked thick. Maybe I don't know anymore. I don't know what it is. Um, Either way, he still gets through and he's in the deep freeze and there's a yes. ton of meat in there. And I'm like, do you know how much that would cost in 2022? All that meat? There's so much fucking meat in there. And it's nice. Like it's, and he's just like tossing it out, trying to get through. <laughs> he's just like, Trying to make yeah, room I mean, for himself. Yeah, he's doing that, and I can because it was all individually wrapped, and I'm like, mm-hmm. that's a fucking good steak. Like, I can tell like the cut of it. And I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you take that home with you, Finny, so you can have a nice steak dinner when you get home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but then he realizes that it's locked, and he can't open it from the inside. And <laughs> really, I feel like this is the first time we've seen Finny like break down crying lose it which is surprising to me because I'm like if I was there I would have broken down crying 70 times already and we know Rachel she's already broken down crying you know I mean I would break down crying I'm like crapper why don't you want to hang out with me (laughs) is it your brother you can bring him too it's fine (laughs) it's fine it's okay (laughs) We know he's got extra mask pieces, so it's okay. Like, they can both wear one. I don't I don't care. It's fine. We don't judge. But uh, the next scene, it's really great because then the phone rings again. And Finney, he's really dejected. And he picks it up. And then 
they kind of do like a, a sweeping shot. So like the camera passes over Finney and then we see Robin is in the room with him. And I'm just like, I love those little gay boys. They love each other so much. They do. They, they had a really, like, even though we never saw them hang out, like, outside of school or whatever, like, they really just had, like, a good, good connection. Well, I mean, Robin had said something in the bathroom in the beginning, like, you know, like, hey, can you help me oh, with my homework again? Right. So we we know that there is something. And the movie never says anything about, you know, Finn and Robin being anything. And we know Finn has that crush on Donna. But I love those little gay boys. <laughs> Robin tells him, don't cry. And Finny obviously lies. He's like, I'm not crying. He's like, I can see you. And he's like, I've been with you this whole time, which I know I'm com- crying. <laughs> yeah, there's a note on here. Um, Rachel says, I'm not crying. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in her note. Uh, she is. She's still crying. And Robin tells him, today's the day that you stop taking shit and just trying to like pump him up, give him some kind of like fire in his soul. Cause he's just lost it at all at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically says, you never, you've always been good at taking a hit. And I'm like, so Finn is basically just a really good punching bag. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it is at this he, point. he has been, I mean, all of your points are correct. You know, he doesn't like violence. He shies away from it he just deals with it so at this point he's forced to face it and he's just forced to do something about it like he's no longer able to stand by and be neutral anymore yeah so you know in the tradition of all of the kids telling finn something to do to help him get out robin tells him to use the weapon in his hand the phone against the grabber to fill it with dirt and then they do this little choreography thing where robin's kind of teaching him how to fight a little bit and he's like you know step forward step back step forward and swing like swing the phone and they do that i mean maybe eight times something like that and then they're kind of like robin is telling finney to do it and like practice the motion of it so as you're watching it it kind of becomes choreography where Finney's a little out of sync with what Robin's doing. But then as he keeps going, Finney, like they're both in sync. And it's just, it's beautiful that, you know, Finney has grown into his own. He's going to be, you know, as good of a fighter as Robin is. And Robin tells him, you know, if you can't get out for you, get out for me. And I'm just like, (laughs) I love you guys so much. And it's, I think it's just really beautiful. Robin says that that's the last phone call. And he just kind of like leans into the corner. And then Finney like walks in front of him to hang the phone up. And like, that's it. And it's, it's so beautiful. After the call, Finney sees that it's raining outside and it, and then it cuts to Gwen riding her bike in her little raincoat and it's just giving it vibes like she looks like the little kid in a yellow raincoat in the rain oh yeah you're right she's riding her bike trying to find this house because she had that dream where Vance said this is it and got out kicked the fence down so she's trying to find it all the dead boys just pop up out of nowhere in front of her causing her to crash it's so fucking scary like they're just like there because Gwen's riding her bike and she's like please Jesus like I know I got mad earlier but if you're real I need your help please 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 and and I get it like I've had conversations like that and this is one of my notes from when earlier when she's like Jesus what the fuck I'm a Christian my relationship with God is very conversational and I'm you know I'll be driving sometimes and just talking to God about stuff and then sometimes I'll be like I know you already know these things but I'm just gonna tell you anyway which is what I do with you and and I think that you know, that's something that resonated with me is, you know, just the conversational piece of it, even though it's really one-sided and then ghosty boys pop up. So, I mean, it works. Yeah. Which really I, thought, guys. I thought it was interesting because I made a note earlier when he was crying, 
I thought about it and I was like, I have not heard Finney talk to himself this entire time. Like I've never heard him have an actual conversation with himself, which if I'm locked in a basement, I'm going to be having multiple conversations with myself at the same time to just keep my brain from like, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the only thing he says that I think of is just that if he was going to get it out normally, then the other kids would have gotten out too. And that's what he did like the very first day, basically. And every, ever since then, he was either talking to the phone or to the boys or to the grabber. Like he's, I, I don't remember him talking to himself. Like even when he was like prepping everything, like I don't like hyping, he didn't even hype himself up or nothing. And I was, I thought that was different. Yeah. So Gwen, um, she falls off her bike when she sees the ghosts and then when she looks up it's the house from her dream so she runs home gets her gets the card that the detective gave her from her dollhouse and then she calls yeah and then it goes back to the house and it's max doing cocaine and he just has this look and it zooms in on the map and he just realize everything just like falls into place and he's having this realization he's like staring at the basement door and just like it's one of those things where it's like you have to know like you can't like live with yourself yeah because the grabber is gone we see that he's shopping like in like a hardware store or something like that he's buying bags of lime Mm. you know what that means and then a couple of other things and at the same time max he's just standing in the kitchen like his face is contorting all kinds of ways. He's like, uh, do I really want to go check the basement? What if I'm right? But what if I'm wrong? And it's just, you see that. So yeah. he goes downstairs and he just opens the door and he's like, holy shit. And Finney's like, please help me. My name's Finney. Like I'm, I'm trapped down here. And Max is just like, oh, don't worry. Like he's not here. He got called into work, into work. Wink, mm-hmm. wink. Finney's like, please, like, can you call my dad? Can you get me out of here? Max is like, I'll help you. And then um, and he gets distracted. He's like, do you want to know how I found you? Bro, no. Like, I want right? you to get me the fuck out of here. The door opens up all the way and the grabber is at the top of the stairs with an axe. And without hesitation, just axe to the head, which is another. Yep. Um, he is Joseph, you know, creep vibes. Oh, yeah. Yes, See? exactly. Axe to the behind him, stand behind him, axe to the head, Joseph, grabber, same people. Um, which Rachel then, did find Joseph attractive as well. So I think it's you. At oh, this I did point. it. I liked Aaron. You said Joseph was hot. I think you're mixing things up. Patrick Bryce gonna, is hot because he's like 6'5. We're going to have to revisit the creep episode. Anyway, the police show up to the house that Gwen had originally seen that the boys pointed to so all of this is kind of like happening at the same time and it's just like a back and forth at this point so the grabber has killed his brother and then we flash to the house and the police are going in inspecting and it's just empty there's no furniture there's nothing there it just looks like nobody's lived there it's just really disheartening because it's like we thought that they were going to be there go Mm -hmm. back to the grabber And And he's he's, in like a full devil mask. Like it's only the top half, but it's got the horns. You can see his mouth for the first time, like since the kidnapping. mm -hmm. And like him's looking real scary. And he just looks at Finney like with this deep gravelly voice. And he's like, look like you made me do. And I start singing Taylor Swift in my head. (laughs) And then he's like, you made me kill my brother. And he like looks down and he's like, he was an idiot. But he was my idiot. And in my notes, I put me about Rachel. Like, well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> You're I guess, hey, guys, I guess we're still going to be friends after this episode. After all. <laughs> Congratulations. This is where I put that uh, he's given, he's looking like Kevin Bacon. But he tells Finney that normally he would use a knife, but Finney is special. And I'm like, I wouldn't want to be special. He said he was really going to make it hurt. And then he brings, he calls Samson down. He brings the dog and like chains the dog um, 
in the corner. I'm assuming to keep the kid from leaving, like being able to escape during this whole thing, which he could have just shut the door, to be honest. Oh, I thought he was bringing it down, like, because he's like, I want it to make it, I want to make it hurt. And it's like a cane corso. Like, that is a, that's a dog. It is beautiful, though. It's a beautiful, like, like, all black dog. Yeah, a beautiful little baby. I love him so much. But I I thought he was going to have, I thought he was going to have him, like, maul him. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. I would assume that the grabber enjoys inflicting the pain personally. I just assumed that the dog is like a fear factor to like amp it I up. Mean, I mean, both are probably correct. Cause it's just like when he says, I want this to really hurt. And then he calls the dog. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. It's mental too. So, I mean, either way, I mean, I, I think both of our perceptions are correct. Cause we, we don't, don't find know. out. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and uh Finney is still holding onto the phone. He had already filled it up with the dirt from the hole he had been digging um in the hallway. Because he kept that covered with a rug the whole time, so the grabber never really yeah. noticed. I don't know why the grabber never noticed the rug being moved, but or the because I love it. Or that the window grate is gone. Like because yeah. he pulled it off with the cable. And there was just a lot of stuff that I'm like, he's just not very, but he also said that he wasn't going to be down there as often, but he's just, I think he was just so distracted from this not being the normal thing. So yeah, that's I he mean, made, really all we can say. He made some mistakes. So the grabber picks up the ax and he swings it at Finney and then Finney runs into the hall and we're going to get like a tiny bit of a fight scene, but it's being intercut between the cops looking around the empty house from where they are. And, you know, we're getting this moment of elation because Finney's fighting back, but then the cops aren't getting anywhere and it's, you know, conflicting emotions, but Finney runs into the hallway, the grabber runs after him and then um, the grabber falls into the hole that Finney had been digging through the rug and then his ankle breaks because mm. he had the window grate on the bottom of it and you yeah. see it and the sound of it and uh, the grabber's just like screaming and I get it Finney has the phone in his hand and he's using Robin's choreography like going forward going back like going forward and then swinging and then he gets a couple good hits in at the grabber but then the grabber grabs him and then has his back to his chest and he's starting to choke him and Finney reaches behind him and rips off the mask and then he just he just loses it yeah he it's like he was like burning or something because he was like covering his face and screaming and I never really like understood that and I'm like maybe the mask is a way for him to like separate himself from what he's doing. Mm -hmm. That's what I got. And I, and I think you had mentioned that. So that's probably where I got it from because I was confused. Like he's acting like it's burning him. And I was like, what? But I thought he was just freaking out. Like he could be seen. He's covering his face from what the mask was covering on him. Yeah. But it, he lets go of Finney so Finney kind of gets himself out and the phone still has some of the cord attached mm-hmm. to it. And then he wraps it around the grabber's neck and he's pulling and he's kind of behind him, like pulling the grabber's neck with the cord onto his shoulder. And then the phone rings. Yeah. And he's just and, like, go ahead. And he, so Finney answers the phone and he goes, it's for you. And it's all the dead boys just saying everything that they've ever wanted to say to him, you know? Well, they're saying, uh, they're saying to the grabber what they already said to Finney. Like, yeah, you don't have much time from Griffin. Um, today's the day, today's motherfucker. The day motherfucker from Vance. And then um, like, there's the part where Bruce is like, Finn's arm is mint. And then Finn just like pulls on the cord and 
I don't know if it, you know, has just taken all the air out or, you know, if it actually does snap the grabber's neck, but the grabber is dead. Yeah. Oh, and Robert, uh, Robin called him an hijo de puta, which is basically just a son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was, like, I was like, don't forget about Robin in there. He's just like, takes a second. Well, after that, it flashes back to the cops searching the empty house and they had kind of given up at this point. And then one of them catches a glimpse of a basement door and they go down to investigate. And then you see just five like humps of dirt and then like one freshly dug hole. Yeah. And that's when the cops basically say, this is where he buries the kids, but I think that he kills them somewhere else. And at the same time, Finney is over there. He grabs a piece of meat, throws it away from the door to the dog as a distraction, walks up the stairs, remembers the combination, walks outside. Gwen, I think, is the first person to see him because she's been sitting outside of the house and then we learn that the house that Finney is in is directly across the street that all the boys were buried in. Mm-hmm. So Gwen was waiting on the investigation and then she sees Finney come out. She just runs into his arms. Then the cops, you know, see what's going on. Finn tells them to go to the basement. So the cops go inside. A couple of them, you know, shuffle the kids away. They call an ambulance. They're taking care of him. And then we know, you know, it's over. Then yeah. uh, the dad gets there. He breaks through the the cops doing the crowd control and he just breaks down. He apologizes to his kids. He's saying that he failed them and then he's just on his knees. And then to kind of call back to what you were saying earlier where Gwen had laid her head on Finn's shoulder after the dad beat her, Finney lays his head on Gwen's shoulder while their dad is like, oh on his knees you know begging for their forgiveness yeah and it's like there's so much going on and then there's a news um like the media is interviewing the police and basically they're saying the grabber is dead they found the missing boys he had he killed them in one house he owned and he owned two and buried them in the other yeah and one like little tidbit that i liked is because i assume it was the chief of police initially being interviewed But then he kind of passes the mic over to the detectives who solved this case. And I just kind of liked that. I thought that that was nice, like, to give credit where credit's due. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, if anybody's going to have the information, it's going to be them. But I I have, there's lots of movies where, you know, the detectives are just kind of pushed behind and the chief of police just gets the credit. Yeah. So I just thought that that was really interesting. And then one of my other notes was, you know, it must have been nice to own two homes in the 70s. <laughs> so, I mean, just my funny little joke. But then the movie ends. Finney's back at school. Everyone's staring at him. He looks a little different. His hair is kind of pushed back away from his eyes. So, you know, he's showing his growth. He's just walking mm-hmm. right into his classroom. And everybody's kind of like, oh, my God, that's Finney. That's the kid. That's him. And he sits yeah. down to, to his science classroom. And Donna's sitting there. And she's just like, hi, Finney. Like nothing happened. And he's just like, call me Finn. And then it ends, which is also kind of funny because Finn is Latin for end. So it's like, Finn, done. So now that we're done narrating the movie, I know that was kind of long-winded. I really, 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 really want to know all of Katrina's thoughts on why this is not the most perfect movie ever to exist. I just, I, I think I had too high of expectations prior to this. And I really try not to do that sometimes. I was really looking forward to like watching it. I I think I maybe had different thoughts of what it would be because I was ready for like suspense and scary and tension. And I feel like, I don't want to use the word soft, but it just felt like very soft the whole time. Like I didn't feel anxious or tension much of the movie at all. See, and... I mean, I did see it before you, and I I will take some of the blame if I 
hyped it up too much because when I talk about movies you know in general for movies that like I want people to see I don't tell them anything I was just like I love it I love it I love it so I saw it in the theaters and I mean I it just totally gripped me I was hanging on to everything so you know I want to hear your perspective on you know what somebody else has and I do like I and I tried looking up other reviews of like people who rated it poorly to see if like maybe something that they said kind of like resonated with me and I wasn't really finding a whole lot that did but like I loved all of the characters I think that they were really well like everyone had an amazing performance but I feel like I was missing so much background that like we we got like an equal picture of each person and that we never really got like I wish I could have had a more of a background on the grabber like we know so little and maybe that's why you like him but I just like I want to know his background I want to know like other things like what are his patterns how does he choose children is he just this but I just I I feel like I'm missing I think that that's interesting and I wondered if that was part of what your thing was because I absolutely love that I don't know anything about him because the short story like truly is only like five pages long it's just the scene where he gets grabbed and it's a little different. He gets grabbed mm-hmm. and the phone rings a couple times. He doesn't like go through any of like the questions and answers trying to figure out really who he's talking to. He does know that Bruce got taken before him, but he doesn't really know what's going on. And then it's him trying to figure a way out and then he ends up being able to strangle the grabber the phone rings and the story ends with him just saying it's for you so there's very very little to nothing in the actual short story so you know they really built up this whole world with what was going on you know we didn't know anything about Finney's background or who the grabber was but I think that that's you know from the perspective of the short story And from a lot of victims, they don't know who the grabber is. They don't know what's going on. All they know is that they were taken and they're just stuck somewhere. So I think building up the world outside of that, but still like on Finney's, Finney's like protagonist side, you know, that there were people working to be able to find him one way or another is more important because it doesn't matter who the grabber is or where he comes from his name is albert in the books but it's just the grabber in the movie it doesn't matter because finney's already taken finney's already there so we we don't see beyond him because even when he's in the hardware store like getting the lime and the the other tools we just kind of see like little glimpses of like behind him so, like, we're not yeah. seeing, like, him in a daily life. We're not seeing him doing anything else. Everything that he's doing is strictly related to what he's doing or going to do with Finney. And everything else is pieced around what is Finney doing, who is helping Finney, whether it's, you know, the cops or his sister. Which I feel like... And then the boys. Which, I don't, I don't know. We didn't get to see much of the investigation, but I was like, I feel like the cops were just not doing a great job. <laughs> I mean, I don't don't think that they were doing a good job in terms of success rate, but I mean, that's also the thing. Like, it's the 70s. It's the 70s. There's so many kids. They don't have the tech and stuff. They, I mean, they're literally going door to door. Have you seen this child? Mm -hmm. I think that they're putting in work. I think that they care. I think that it. They don't know. They don't have a pattern. All of the boys that were taken, they're different races. They're different ages. I mean, all the kids you know knew each other one way or another so they're relatively from the same town but it's not specified that they're all from the same school specifically right max has narrowed down an area based on where the kids were taken but but we don't know and that's you know we don't know anything about the grabber the exact same way that nobody else knows anything about the grabber yeah and i think that's great 
Yeah. I just, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, and that's right. It's like, I, I, it makes me feel like, like I'm just, which I mean, we just did autopsy of Jane Doe and we were left with a million questions and I love that movie. And, but I think that movie just gives me so much more detail that I didn't get here. And maybe I'm just like a detailed person, especially when it's like a mystery kind of like crime situation. Like I'm all in it on the details. Like when I watch documentaries on serial killers, I'm like, tell me every single detail that you can. And I just got none of it. So I don't know if it just felt like I loved the character of the grabber. I think he did an amazing job. Like I loved, you know, the way he used his voice. And like you said, with his body language, everything about it was really good. And then, you know, not being able to tell, like, is he being sincere? Is he being silly? Is he just being mean? I really enjoyed that part. But overall, as a package, I just was, ugh, I don't know. I don't, I can't articulate like a very specific reason. Like there wasn't one specific thing that just like turned me off to this movie it was just like a I was just underwhelmed like I I felt no I felt no like tension I don't know like I just I wanted to feel like like I wanted to feel that but I just it just was like so it flowed very smoothly and there just wasn't much happening action wise I guess See, and that's the thing. It's so sad for me because, you know, maybe this plays into my ADHD-ness because, you know, I'm so, 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 so into this movie. It's my favorite release of the year. I have looked at, like, every article about it. I'm so obsessed with it. And then, you know, you're my best friend and you didn't like it that much. And I'm just like, no. But I understand. brought you down this path of something that you didn't, like and I feel terrible (laughs) I here's the thing you understand your critique on that side of things I just so appreciate the creative choice that happened that like that I'm okay with not knowing it and I I won't mention other names of some movies that I've seen this year but there were some of them that like gave me so much irrelevant information to what was going on Hmm. with the plot or there were things that like hey I did actually need to know why something would have happened this way yeah for things to make sense and to me the black phone just did it perfectly that's like I got everything I needed I had enough of Finn's family background I saw what his sister and the cops were doing that it didn't matter what the grabber was doing because the grabber engaged me so much when he was on screen that his past didn't matter. Other than the fact that I knew he was a kidnapper and a killer that I was only concerned with what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to blame you because I did. I really wanted to watch this movie. Like even prior to um, my obsession, yeah. Even prior to you saying that you love the movie and everything like that, like I had every intention to watch this. So you did not cause my disappointment. Um, Thank you. But it's, you know, I knew the basis of the movie. Like I knew that a kid was locked up and was talking to dead boys on the phone. Like I knew that prior to watching. And that's really all I knew. I just, yeah, I'm sorry. I think it's good that we do sometimes have differing opinions because it makes it more interesting to talk about. I mean, I guess so. I think we should also have the same opinion about everything all the time. Because you're my friend yeah. and I love you. That will never happen. But I, I appreciate you. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I, I did tell Katrina. I was like, don't tell me anything that you thought about it. Because I want to be able to, to hash it out all here. Um, I will say too that... Um, I mean, I'm semi-active on Twitter. Don't follow me. I do not post appropriate things. But I have conversed with the writer of this film a couple of times. Like, just on random stuff. But I'm just in hopes that eventually we will have enough impact that, like, somehow our paths will meet. And I can just basically worship at his feet or work for him. 
one of the two because I do have a writing degree and I I mean because you really liked Sinister didn't you from what I remember yes I did like Sinister because that was like the the like videotape thing right yeah and the pool scene and the car yep yeah okay I did like Sinister yes yeah it's been a long time since I've watched it yeah I've never met anybody who didn't think Sinister was like absolutely fantastic there was a uh, an article I read that like Sinister, Insidious, and maybe there was one other I can't exactly remember, but both of them were like technically the scariest movies of all time because like they did like a study where like people's like heart rates like went up at like certain moments and they were like Mm -hmm. just scientifically measuring the data of how afraid people were when they were watching these different categories of movies. And I believe Sinister is number one and Insidious is number two. And I'm like, I love all of those movies. So I just thought that that was another interesting tidbit. But I mean, do we have anything else to say about the Black Phone? Um, We've been talking about this one for a long time. This is going to be a long episode. Every episode Katrina and I make, we always start off saying it'll be under an hour. Like that's (laughs) our goal. And we've gotten pretty close a couple times. But I think that we've already been talking about the Black Phone for like two and a half hours. So who knows how long the podcast is going to be. But thank you for sticking around till the end of it. We appreciate every single one of you. And if you've made it this far, follow our Twitter and our Instagram. Because I post at Booze and Boobs. Because I want to make TikToks. But if nobody watches them, then I'm sad. Okay. Yeah. So TikTok, Instagram, and our twitter booze and boobs um patreon is also be booze and about- boobs yeah please um support us we're gonna start doing more live streams and getting stuff out and done so yeah we really want to really like we really want to get um like engagement up we want to hear from you guys because your your feedback is everything because we we can talk all day long and we'll be happy, but if you hate it, then <laughs> it doesn't really do us any good. Like, tell us, you know, what you do want to hear. Um, give us suggestions for movies or suggestions on where to post our podcast, make it easier for you to find, make it um, more accessible to you. For sure. But uh, I guess that's it thank you for listening you are definitely a trooper if you made it to the end of this episode i can already tell so um bye guys tuned bye